Alas, knights in shining denim. <laughs> this is illiterate. This week we are covering, you guessed it, Minions. Riser Gru is in theaters. My name is Evan. I just checked out the first Minions movie on Peacock. My name is Taylor, and I found some rare early concept art for what the Minions could have been. This is a huge episode because we couldn't escape it. We just simply could not <laughs> run them, and they've caught us, and so now here we are, and we're living in, and we're loving them. Um, as All the gentlemen, if you've probably yeah, seen yeah. on the internet over the weekend, have stormed the theaters uh, dressed in dress, in their Sunday dress. Uh, Minions has been unleashed on everyone. <laughs> um, and so uh, long before the, the release of this film, Taylor and I have, have just stood back and watched the world burn with, the, <laughs> with these banana colored things laughing on top of it it's always been peculiar to us i've never seen any of the despicable me films until now i've seen mm -hmm. now the minions first film um but this has been the most peculiar uh, phenomena that seems to have taken a little bit of the comedic gusto left in the wake in the exit of Shrek. But it's just the most odd thing that will not go away. And so we are embracing it. <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, because I was looking at it almost seven years ago when the first Minions came out. And it was very much, it seemed kind of under the radar, but it was bubbling up to the surface. Because when the first Minions came out... It may not seem as shocking now, but it was the 10th highest grossing film of all time when it released, over a billion and a half dollars. And it's like, that doesn't uh, seem right. The the offshoot of the side character of a yeah. third tier animation <laughs> studio is the 10th highest grossing film of all time. How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. We, I, we've been kicking these questions. We've been kicking this can down the road for a while uh, and it's reaching critical mass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pierced everything. I didn't realize that Pharrell's Happy, the song that blew open the summer of 2000, whatever, yeah. was written for Despicable Me 2. Oh my so God. <laughs> it came from that. It wasn't the other way around. I saw an incredible meme. It was like a, somebody, a knight being knighted by like two dozen blades on his mm -hmm. shoulders. And it was all like... <laughs> It was all like Pharrell and like all the top, like the top 40 artists with their blades onto the shoulder of the Minions soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it, it pierces everywhere. So we're going to get into where the heck did this come from? Why is this exploding now? And what has it done to us all <laughs> henceforth <laughs> in media? What's happened to us, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We got to go back to who is even making this. Maybe a name that people don't recognize, Illumination Entertainment. And now it's just synonymous with the Minions. But this was founded in 2007. They've never not made a profitable movie since then, which is insane to have a 100% track record. What are, what are a couple of their other properties? They do Sing, the, wow, the okay. singing. They did The Secret Life of Pets. And they have done the Dr. Seuss animated ones after ah. Cat in the Hat did horror. They did the Grinch and Got you. the Lorax the and Lorax. things like that. Yeah, yeah. So Very that's, good. I, and instantly between all of them, I kind of see the similar styles ringing true and, mm -hmm. and parallel through them so that's very interesting this is very new <laughs> yeah exactly so it, it comes from a legacy though of people that have been in the game for a while founded like i said in 2007 chris melodandry is this it seems like out not outside of the system but he's kind of this 
hidden figure of Hollywood Mm -hmm. in the sense that he doesn't really make a big show of anything that he's doing. He's a creative guy disguised as an executive. Some people described him as because he wears the suits and goes to the meetings. But obviously, he's running this very creative, open, with a little bit of spice to their productions as opposed Mm -hmm. to the taking a jab at the Disney stuff. So where he came from, he was the president of Fox Animation when they were overseeing Blue Sky Studios, who did Ice Age. That was their big claim to fame. Okay. That one definitely, uh, now it's ringing a bell. It's faded away. Yeah. Well, so what happened- A nostalgia hit. (laughs) (laughs) And and Blue Sky was the first big competition to Pixar and DreamWorks when it came to CGI. Mm productions ice age just exploded it got shut down in 2021 obviously pandemic stuff because disney bought fox and so then they just i think Uh, subsumed everything into all their junk but uh don't need this anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah chris was the head of that and then left in 2007 to form his own thing and so his change was the business process he implemented. They don't produce in-house. They outsource the animation to other studios. The one that they Illumination uses primarily is called Mac Guff in France, hmm. which they ended up buying. Well, now they turn their out of house into in-house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's still all in France, which is which is interesting. But the big thing that they do differently is they're really low budgets. So every single film that Illumination has made the budget is between 60 and $80 million. Now that's compared to what feels like double that for exactly. your typical run of the mill, you know, Incredibles 2 or Pixar <laughs> film. Yeah, 150 to 250 million for these sorts of things. And they're, they have never. How, how yeah. are they able to do it for half? They so don't, they're not relying on so much cast talent. Um, yeah, and, yeah. That and is, maybe I'm going off of one <laughs> off a trail, but I feel like a lot of animation has stopped. Uh, it's now it's just relying on name talent instead of trying to find good talent. Um, so I, I wonder if that is one thing that's driving up these these other films where mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm thinking about the minions uh, and, and the voices. <laughs> all t- you know, you have Steve Carell, obviously, his group. Right, but right, other right. than that, I, I don't think they're they're not cramming it. Fa- they're like Tina Fey. And, and, yeah, you know. They do have but some. Anyway. I think I think I couldn't find too much on exactly how they're able to drop Chris the cost Pratt. so significantly, but I, yeah. I think the thing that they're doing is a lot of the outsourcing stuff, the speed with which they develop, they don't waste mm. a lot of time. I mean, maybe you could argue that Pixar has a different quality or a different level of whatever, but I think also Illumination stays in their lane as evidenced right. by the fact that 90% of Rise of Gru's audience was under 25, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's like never, never seen. But that's exactly and who then, they're going for. And then in particular, I saw the statistic for the for the teen numbers uh-huh. went out of outrageous this weekend. <laughs> they, they, this demographic does not show up for animated films. And yeah. it was the leading demographic this week. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so- they're able to lessen the budget maybe with the directness of what they're doing versus taking a long time to develop and toss around ideas and throw out whole sequences and storyboards and stuff. They just go for it. So the directors of these, the Despicables and the the Minions stuff, starting it all, come from France. Pierre Coffin and Chris Renault 
and they have various histories in in animation studios. Why is this making sense immediately? <laughs> there's something about there's something about the uh, the non the language that they use uh-huh. that I it's not it's you know it's like a nonsense but like there's there's something to it that like oh this makes sense. <laughs> I don't know yeah, as yeah. soon as you as soon like cuz you said France earlier but as soon as we're getting down we're getting down to the directors and who are really are responsible to mm-hmm. it. Like, now 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 the France part of it is starting to ring come through really strong yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll get why (laughs) yeah well i'll I'll, we'll get to some of the language stuff a little bit later i just want to round out kind of like how this came to be because they were attached after the concept was already there Mm -hmm. and so because this is going to be the first movie that illumination is doing as the first despicable me it was pitched to them by this guy sergio pablos who then becomes an executive producer on it and then was shared with these French directors, French and American mm-hmm. directors. But the big thing that he had changed, Sergio's grew in the first Despicable Me was much more gothic, like Dracula. And the henchman uh, concept was these sort of big, ogreish brutes. There was not a mention of the yellow tater tot figures in the initial draft of the script. It was just kind of like, the minions do this, the minions get grew that, and didn't really progress to what we know them as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The plot along. (laughs) Yeah. So what? Where the true genius of the minions comes from is the art director Eric Guion. I'll post some links to his personal blog. I found some of his original artwork, but just as they're developing this concept with him, the sillier it got, the better it got, is what they're saying. (laughs) And the big problem was the likability for Gru. If he is this despicable villain, that's already a hard sell to parents. They're like, this could be horrible. It almost reminded right. me of like DreamWorks doing Shrek for the first time and being like, right. I don't know if this is really <laughs> going to work. Should well, we he's imp- a horrible, disgusting, terrifying ogre. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's we've this- got to sell it to this five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're having the same thoughts with Gru. And so it's like, well, if we make his minions likable and that they like him, they're childlike and love him without questioning, there's mm. got to be something to him that the audience can then intuit. And so they were thinking of other follower-type impish characters like Oompa Loompas, the Jawas, mm-hmm. and the short stature compared to Gru's long legs and torso became a bigger and bigger appeal. And so I see. I'll, I'll post a link. Please, everybody look at it. Evan's going to look at it here as well from, from the oh. artist Eric oh, Guillaume's here we go. personal blog because it's literally oh. the development of what they were. <laughs> And Evan, I don't know if you see this. Oh, wow. These are uh, grotesque. (laughs) Yeah. If you look from left to right, originally, like I said, the Oompa Loompa thing, they were just short, literally human factory workers that were his underlings. That was sort of questioned as far as like the naive quality of them being believable. So they turned them into robots. And that's the next picture is they're literally metal robots. Also the punching bag quality because they never die you know, they're Looney Tunes characters. Maybe it would be less shocking as robots. Right. Eventually, they kind of are robotic in a sense. They're sort of this Borg hive mind thing, but they went with yeah. a more organic version 
there's a red version, which is not as cute. Yellow is a happy color, so they switch that around. Yeah, the red gets gross, like they're, they're <laughs> swollen or something. They're pink almost, like it, like they're sick. Yeah, yeah. And then the overalls <laughs> also shrink down and become more of a diaper or underwear juvenile quality to them as opposed to the workman's I situation. see where they were playing with the, the mm-hmm. cyborg qualities there from, okay, well, they're mm-hmm. not, but but what if it's the it's a it's a weird almost like uh, what the mon stars mm-hmm. they're yeah, in or two d two type of bot <laughs> thing yeah. and then from there they're like okay not a r two d but it but the overalls that constrict into mm-hmm. the- <laughs> yeah so I so I highly encourage our listeners check out this link in the show notes it'll be at the top of the I've never seen too. this before this is I yeah. really this is pretty incredible stuff for for now what has become such a uh, uh, iconic design I've never even thought until now about what they looked like in process before this. And <laughs> and it, I mean, it's kind of what you would think, but it's actually right. really satisfying to see the entire progression here, to see uh, a bit of the thought that went into where we landed. Um, yeah. 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 It's that's, incredible that's what, stuff. What we're here for is <laughs> the process. It's not just ubiquity amazingness straight out the gate so it seems like those uh the the monocles the the mm-hmm. gla- like the the almost the steampunk glasses they came with that ends up being a, a distillation down out of the cyborg stuff and kind um, of that, uh, in a way the the underling almost like mole people subterranean mm-hmm, grunt mm-hmm. quality yeah more of the human this side cool. of things yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i love it please check that out um you know, once you actually see it and walk backwards through some of that thought, um, you know, again, uh, what we do here is try to humanize some of this stuff because <laughs> on the outside, from the audience perspective, it's so immaculate. It just feels like it's, you know, and that's how it was. But it's not. As people make these things, there's a whole process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of work uh, to land uh, on the design that we all know. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is just one of those things that I love pulling out of the process and out of the show time and time again is yeah. show you like, no, pe- people do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it takes a, it takes a little bit of effort. Yeah. It reminded me a oh, lot. Yeah. If, if anybody's interested, we have a Sonic episode as well, kind of the progression of how they came up with the Sonic, the yes. hedgehog character. Exactly. To exactly. A little bit too, just iterating here and there with strong concepts Let's jump back to the language thing that you're so fascinated by, as am I. The gibberish, the minionese, as they call it. Oh, man. And it was interesting because, again, I have not watched any of these films, but in passing over the now it's been a decade or more. uh, Yeah. I've been living with the minion gibberish to an extent (laughs) peripherally. But I've not thought about it as being like the central vocalization for main characters for two hours that didn't strike my mind until i sat down and was 10 minutes into i was 15 minutes into this plot and i don't think any english had been spoken uh, <laughs> yeah and, and then i started to go oh wow this must have been a lot of conversations about well how do you sustain because eventually there is english but it like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like that's it has to be one of the most immediate hurdles okay you want to do a movie about just the minions yeah well they yeah. don't talk so (laughs) how are you going to do that greg you know (laughs) quite a marvelous creative constraint i think because it does bring it back down to the basics of what is good about animation which is what these people are interested in so you'll be happy to know the gibberish which they that you can hear a little bit it is some english some japanese some italian some korean some spanish some german (sighs) that you do hear little bits and bobs of of language throughout it this 
was voiced by the co-directors, the two guys. And I knew it. And I then just it. somehow, P- yeah, I knew yeah. It. <laughs> the Minion films. What you saw is just Pierre. So he has really. He, he does. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so that that French sort of international influence also, and the fact that he's just doing a bunch of a bunch. As of soon as I heard his name, I knew he was the voice. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know what I don't. I don't. I it happened live on air. Go back and listen to the tape. But I, yeah. there was so, as soon as you brought up their names, I went, "Oh, the 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 language makes sense immediately." Yeah. Not when you brought up France and we're doing the VFX houses and all the animation, blah blah blah. It's when we're talking about the directors and really yeah. who's putting the creative energy into it. Oh, him, oh, that's who this is who's responsible. <laughs> and what's cool, once you realize, oh, they don't speak a single language, it's all intonation and body language and whatnot, mm-hmm. then there becomes this very international flavor to it where it can be exactly brought across cultures without a whole bunch of confusion. That was my second thought was, okay, wow. So we're doing, this is a um, built on being nonverbal, getting down to the roots and what, what is so great about animation, what works about animation. Um, But this has got to be one of the defining dynamics of this thing that widens it out to a universal worldwide audience. A hundred percent. I love this little known fact about the gibberish done by the director. He does the dubs or maybe he gets somebody else to do them. But either way, he's responsible for it because he wanted to make sure that they are different for every country. So you, if you are getting the Japanese version of Minions, you are hearing a little bit more Japanese in the gibberish so that everyone can briefly understand them in the language that they're hearing. Because it is fun when you hear banana, when you hear a phrase that you know. So they make sure that in the dubs, even though it's still gibberish, it's not our English minionese. It's a different minionese that favors the language of the dub, which is wild to me. That is, that's a Mac. I mean, that's an incredible amount of work. That's a wild undertaking. And I don't even think anybody knows that. Yeah. Um, Because I would have, I'm in entertainment and I really wouldn't have guessed that, well, you know, minionese is not a real language. So. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. But but you're absolutely right. It does make a difference. It, it's built on all these languages, but you know, I'm an English speaker when the English, you know, phonetic <laughs> concept some some pieces the of sounds, English yeah, end yeah. up in there. I you recognize it. You connect with it. Mm-hmm. And you it leads you into the next thing that's from a different culture and that helps you connect the pieces. So it absolutely is valid to me that you would re-record the entire thing leaning to that language i've just not heard of i mean and thank god with a mo- with a movie this big with this property mm-hmm. that has gotten to this size they have <laughs> the resources to be able to do a specific uh minionese for each market um, yeah and it's... and they should and that's wow that's incredible i mean it's yeah, yeah. just the hats off to you know the artists <laughs> there who are, who are like yeah. lobbying for saying no this is a discernible uh, you want an equivalent experience this is this is how we deliver that yeah as we said, along with the language comes the physicality side of things. So Pierre Coffin, he said, of course, it's the legacy of silent films, stories told through pranks, gags, body humor. And I found that The Rise of Gru, which isn't spoiling anything, but it has very specific reference to gags from silent era films. There's direct references really? to Buster Keaton's Sherlock Jr. from 1924 and Harold Lloyd's Safety Last from 1923. He puts oh in- God direct references. So that's kind of the two pieces that make it a big deal is the fact that the minions aren't voiced by celebrities, which is sometimes the draw that then might also alienate 
or an international audience doesn't care. And like you said, probably ups the price. I'm going to soapbox for two seconds because I'm like that. Does, again, you take the outside of an English speaking audience and Chris Pratt doesn't help you. Chris Pratt doesn't do anything for you. And so I uh, just think about all the work that's going into these Minionese dubs all over the world for all these different cultures. And like you can spend how many millions of dollars on Chris Pratt and that helped you in one market. Yeah. Well, John Mulaney <laughs> has a great bit in in his most recent show where he's like interviewing some kids and it's like, does Mark Ruffalo's voice of the cockatiel enhance your experience of the movie and these five-year-olds are like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> who's mark ruffalo oh, yeah exactly so that's part of it and then with the body language humor pranks gags all of that stuff they make not very many pop culture references either which sometimes date it or lessen the appeal because it's just slapstick it's three stooges mm -hmm. humor not snl what happened last year humor and so is this that, turning yeah. me into a fan? Am I, <laughs> am I? Am I sitting here? I'm sitting here going like I fundamentally agree with <laughs> the pieces of that more so than like yeah. typical, you know, <laughs> than yeah. the than the comparable uh, mainstream animation that is just going after the Chris Pratt's and you know all of the useless name talent that doesn't help the performance. Yeah. I, I just disagree with it fundamentally. So what I'm hearing here is that they would rather lean in on like artistic, you know, influences. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that they would rather spend the money creating dubs for every single market they can. <laughs> right. And for our audience, it's like the Minions movies do have top voice talent at Hollywood actors. It's not like they're not in there, but right. they are not making that the big they're making the minions the big deal right john ham is one of the main voices in the first minions movie they didn't lean on that for their nine-year-old audience no idea yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 they don't care about that so I mean, really this is how they're taking over the world is all of wow. these things merged together so that leads us to kind of the cultural conversation around them i'll post a link to a great video that i love mm, they were marketing the minions movie in dublin and there is this giant inflatable minion that broke loose from, I mean, huge, multi-story. And it is sideways careening down the road. Somebody's <laughs> filming it and it just completely <laughs> covers this person's windshield in yellow. <laughs> and then the video ends. But that is, uh, that's Did how it's die? felt, you know? <laughs> that's, that's how the world has felt being coated in a giant yeah. minion just steamrolling you on the freeway. Well, I think um, ultimately we came here to ask why, and I and I'm starting to understand. I think is you know it, it, at least drawing the the contrast between typical mainstream animation, you know, studio practices and everything that they are doing, everything that yeah. really goes into creating what the minions are. I, I at a base level fundamentally agree with it and, the, <laughs> and why it exists and the energy behind it. Uh, yeah, and that's. Not the same can be said for uh, for every animation release these days. So. Yeah, yeah. And so Universal is the one that's in charge of getting it out to the masses in the same way that Blue Sky oh. was underneath Fox. So that's it became the Universal logo. But Minions- Every time I yeah, go down into yeah. Hollywood, I have that eye of Sauron staring at me going through the valley. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody who doesn't live in Los Angeles, uh, when you're going south into the real Hollywood, you have to pass by Universal uh, Studios. And up on the hill is a giant, a giant, giant- <laughs> hill-sized minion staring at you, peeking up over the <laughs> studio. He's huge, and you cannot escape his gaze. Yeah. 
So we're we're probably much more inundated than somebody else. But uh, the world was not forgiven either. So Minions 1 had the largest marketing campaign in Universal history up to that time. Oh my God. $600 million, which is, you know, (laughs) 10 times the budget of what it (laughs) costs to make, which is insane when you think about it. I feel I saw, like somebody like accidentally pr- put a zero in the end of it. <laughs> well, I guess we're uh, doing that. So I saw it. It's hilarious because you can't get away from it. There, there was a journalist. I'll post a link to the article. They subsisted for a whole weekend off of only Minions merchandise, the clothes they wear, the food they eat, the products what? that they use, <laughs> everything, because it's on everything, which I, you know, I can't even get into all of them, but. Oh my God. The obvious stuff, Tic Tacs, because it's the same shape. Right. And then the stickers on 500 million Chiquita bananas, because they love (laughs) bananas. But I mean, literally anything that doesn't have to do with minions. My girlfriend works in fashion, and she saw there's a Pantone, which is the the colors, and they have a licensed minion yellow, which- Yeah, it's like a real yellow now. It's a real thing. Yeah. Uh. Up to- uh, they were in a spot for when the Warriors were in the NBA finals. Like they just insert them into everything. And that's kind of what made this new one even more insane because it was ready to come out July of 2020 and then was delayed for two years for Whoa. 2021. You know, they said, oh, it's coming out July 2021. And then now here we are, July 2022, and it has finally come out. But Evan, you know about marketing and branding and merchandising. It's all got to be ready way ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So like that's why we've been that so That means inundated. that the designs yeah. for the for the minion for the minion merchandise went out spring 2019 <laughs> minimum. <laughs> and then and then it was produced to hit shelves in in July, parallel yeah. with the cinema release July 2020. Oops, that didn't happen. But you know what did? The stores were still open and all that stuff went to the shelves. That's also when all the Top Gun Maverick uh, stuff <laughs> was, yeah. went to the shelf. The exact same timeline. This is funny. Even all the way down to movie release is basically the same thing happened with Top Gun all the way through. But yeah, this yeah. Uh, this push the, to create these pushes, it, 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 uh, it's years in advance. Um, and and so then when a pandemic screeches halt on everyone's plans uh, for two years, <laughs> they have to then restart that just, machine or just keep it going because there was already a billion. Keep it going, things, yeah. but <laughs> just, don't that, stop printing. Just keep going. <laughs> well, I saw the funniest one to me. So Build a Bear pandemic oh, yeah. and shortly thereafter had somebody that worked there was noticing they had quite a lot of what seemingly bizarre yellow animals or animal type things. So there was a pineapple thing because it's not just bears for Build a Bear in the mall. And they had a giraffe and then a yellow narwhal, which makes no sense. And they were like, well, this was the minion skin that we did not make minion, you know, enough uh. minion stuff. Or because then the minions got delayed. So they're like, we got to scramble. We got all this minion skin. <laughs> let's make yellow some yellow. Narwhal. Yeah, let's make some <laughs> yellow Build-A-Bear stuff because we can't, nobody wants to buy any more of this minion stuff. The movie's not coming out. <laughs> the, the, the final element to this is really what it's done society-wise maybe some comparables to things that were were close and then this either has superseded or just kind of got me thinking. The biggest one that I could draw a comparison to is the Hello Kitty craze in Mm. terms of, yeah, I don't know, maybe not as international, but definitely the, what they would call kawaii, which is the Japanese cuteness embodiment of happiness. 
yes. kid-friendly sort of stuff. And then as it relates to more of a CGI thing, Toy Story did have the little green alien men that follow the claw, kind of the subservient to the True. master creatures, but yes. it didn't really hit in the same way. No, uh, it didn't become a phenomenon on its own. They didn't get their own TV show, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the penguins in Madagascar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got their own TV show. Yeah, but then that begs the question, why aren't the penguins all over the place versus True. the minions? So the two big things that I could think about is the cross-generational way that the minions hit because there's the joke about the Facebook mom minion memes that it's like, these horribly sarcastic phrases. My greatest accomplishment is keeping my mouth shut with a minion looking, you know, <laughs> sardonically, hor you know, and it gets reposted yeah, by yeah. a bunch of 45 year olds on Facebook a thousand times. It's like, they don't care about minions at all, but right. it's the closest thing to an emoji. It's yellow. Right. They have the full emotional spectrum. It's a vessel for You're so right. emotion. And so it doesn't, that, that's how 90% of the movie was under 25. And yet, yeah, middle-aged people are posting the memes. That's number one, I feel like, why it would carry over. And then the second we thing- We all have a role. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we all have a role to play. And the reason yeah. we all have a role to play, number two, is the other things we said are other properties, Disney specifically, they are relentless in their copyright pursuits. They're suing Etsy pages for people making Mickey Mouse things. They forced a preschool to pressure wash you know, a Mickey Mouse mural off of the side of the wall. Like- they are crazy about on that note. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Mouse is coming up. His it copyright is, yeah. <laughs> is coming up in 2023. Uh, and we'll see if Disney makes another push yet again to sure extend those uh, rights for another lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's coming out 2023. We'll see what happens to Mickey Mouse. He could fall right into. We could finally end this for every preschool and elementary <laughs> Getting school across sued. the yeah. world. My God. <laughs> so, um, yeah. With with that, Universal, it's not like Minions is in the public domain, but they welcome and seem to just let it grow. And that's why there's all this unlicensed, you know, crocheted thongs and whatever. They're not going to take it down. I mean, if you're still able to lead the box office, you're, you're still <laughs> pulling in money on all of that merchandise. If your numbers are that good, yeah. at some point, perhaps, and I'm sure that this is what they're thinking, perhaps this is an element of that propulsion. You know, it's not directly, but it is indirectly helping us a lot. Yeah, they treat it <laughs> as public domain and let people iterate and do whatever the heck they want with it. I also thought it was interesting because Universal also has Shrek and SpongeBob, and those also get memed to heck and get unlicensed true. shot glasses and God knows what else. That's true. They seem to play, they're playing that different game where they're like, give it to the people. Yeah. So I think that that's where, <laughs> where we're at now is it merges these kawaii aesthetics with the American slapstick humor and then- yeah capitalism run amok it's on everything and then people want to put it on their own stuff because it has this international appeal absurd so oh my god i'm 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 disgusted with myself now i understand the minions <laughs> and now, now i mean you I, could still hate it now is the i thing. like the yeah. <laughs> i don't okay. What what I've grown in in the past uh, thirty minutes has been a, a, a much more appreciation than I thought was even possible. Yeah, yeah. To derive out of this, I mean, because honestly, what I'm hearing a lot of counter 
business practices to what I have grown tired of, um, in particular right, right. with this market. Um, so I, I have to, my hat's off in that regard to like this, this, they're not for me. Yeah. These aren't my movies, but <laughs> yeah. ultimately that's exactly what this company should be doing. And, and great job. I don't, this is, I mean, this is what I love about the shows. We get to pick apart why in the world it's, it's did these things of all things explode. And when you pick it apart, it's actually some pretty great and direct reasons some pretty succinct reasons that we can draw down on. Yeah. Pair that with just like business practices that I really agree with. I mean, gosh, I, what what do I have bad to say about them? <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that they're everywhere, and maybe that saturation inundated. I can't undoing. absolutely because yeah. it's Absolute, like uh, of yeah. course. But now I know more. Now mm-hmm. I know what I'm looking at, and at least if I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see any more minions. But at least now I'll have that understanding behind it to go. I know what they're doing. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think that's a hell, that, that's a that's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe this will help me actually uh, ease my tension when I see one. Perhaps instead of getting <laughs> enraged that I've seen yet another one, I'll actually know that they're weirdly enough. Uh, fighting for ideals that I agree with, <laughs> or the yeah, the bizarre Shrek memifying. Yeah, I I haven't laughed uh, doing an episode this much in <laughs> god knows how long so that certainly is uh not nothing so yeah thank you guys for sticking along with us um i know a lot of you probably have stopped already because if this is about the minions but <laughs> <laughs> uh if you're here with us we really appreciate it reach out to us let us know what you think actually is the secret in the sauce for the minions did we miss it are we missing the whole deal here? Uh, get in touch with us at illiterate pod on instagram illiteratepod at gmail.com for the email. And let us know, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you excited for to come out? Get on our calendar. You never know when we will do an episode about that thing you want to know every little thing about and keep coming back here every Friday. We'll see you then. Yeah.